Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that each of you are here with us for worship today as we begin a very special time in the life of our church and in the life of of churches around us. We are excited to begin this season of Advent. Uh, You can notice the the lovely decorations around the church, and we look forward to this special time over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas Day. We are truly glad that each of you are here with us to kick off this season of Advent and that you are here with us for worship this morning. join me in the responsive reading found in your bulletin. Advent is a time for God's people to re- reawaken their longings. We long for every hope to be healed. We long for every tear to be dried. We long for every injustice to be made right. We wait in hope for the Lord. We celebrate God's promises and long for those yet to unfold. We wait in hope for the Lord. This morning we light the first candle, which reminds us that even in the midst of darkness, the light of hope shines. Jesus Christ is the promised one of God, the light of the world. May this light of hope illuminate our hearts throughout the Advent season. Each of your promises. Like the people of all, 
we who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Ignite our faith and light our path. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our hymn this morning is hymn number 79, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Please stand and join in singing, if you are able, number 79.
invite the children to come forward. All right, I want you to sit real still. Nope, nope, nope. Hey. All right. Today, we lit a candle. You see the candle up here? It's purple. And it stands for hope. Who can tell me what hope is? I you don't know what it stands for? You don't know? Well, let, just if you got one minute, look, listen, turn around. Hope is when we wait for something. Are we waiting for something right now? Yeah. What are we waiting for? Uh, a treasure box. A treasure box. And what's going to be in that box? Something. Something? Well, that's sort of right. Because you know what's going to be in our treasure box? A baby. We are waiting on a baby. And you see this circle? All these candles, it never stops. Because God's love never stops for us. And each Sunday, we're going to light a different candle. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And then right before Christmas... We're going to light the one in the middle. And that stands for Christ's child. And that is what we're waiting on. Because we have a manger, but we don't have a baby yet, do we? No. And we trust God because he loves us forever and ever and ever. So remember, this Sunday is hope. We're waiting on God to give us his gift. And then the, each Sunday coming, we'll light another candle. So let's pray. Lord, as we wait and as we hope, we know you have us in your hands. You are in our heart. We love you for this season and for we know that the Christ child is coming. Give us peace, give us joy, give us love, but most importantly, we have your hope. Hope that each day our love for you remains strong and then grows stronger. Bless these children as they wait, as they anticipate. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is great beauty in this place this morning. I want to just say as a member of the congregation, thank you to all of those who helped in making uh, this sanctuary as beautiful as it is today. I remember some of the words our friend Joan Parrish used to say, and I will paraphrase her. Folks, it just doesn't happen. It requires a great deal of work and effort and uh, it's become part of the tradition here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church to celebrate uh, the season of Advent leading to the celebration of Christ's birth. The decorations are intended to be uh, a reminder, a refocusing of our love and our energy. They're intended to uh, help us to focus on what is important. We have many traditions within this church 
the first Sunday of Advent with a decorated church. This evening we will have the hanging of the green. We will have the lighting, I believe, of the Christmas tree outside. We will have opportunities for caroling. We will have opportunities for uh, bringing cards to the shut-ins. We will have an opportunity to bring gifts to Broughton this year rather than having Broughton patients come to us. But we have numbers of traditions. And one of the traditions that we have is a special uh, mission offering. And within our congregation, we have two traditions. We now have the tradition dealing with the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and the CBF Global Missions offering. I've identified for you on behalf of the missions committee some of the differences. Those offerings support two groups. They support ways of sharing the gospel. And rather than focusing on the different, some of the differences they are written down for you, the challenge I would give each of you is to be informed. Ask yourselves, why do I do what I do? Why do I give to whom I give? To think through what are the ramifications? What does it really mean? If we forget the history behind our traditions, then we truly are only passing, passing on to the next generation just the mechanics and not the meaning. Let us be informed. And may we not forget, this is the season to remember that God became human and walked among us, that he lived a life, he taught the message that we should follow. And through his power and through this wonderful act of love, let us celebrate it and let us rejoice and be glad because this is the day the Lord hath made. Thank you. Our next hymn is hymn number 120, Emmanuel. If you would, please sing it through three times. 120, Emmanuel. Please stand if you are able.
thank you, Lord, for this day, for all your blessings. We don't deserve them, but you continue to bless us. We're thankful that we do have hope in you. And as we come to this season of Advent, may we continue to have the hope, joy, love, and peace that Ellen talked about. As we come now to give back to you a portion that belongs to you, may we do, do so joyfully so your word can be spread at home and abroad. Bless us now in your name. Amen.
Thank you, choir. You company us some candy. This morning, I do want to, before I read scripture, just say that we have experienced a loss in our church this week, and many of you have heard by now, but Bob Blackburn uh, suffered uh, a broken hip a little over a week ago, and uh, due to some complications and just some different things, um, Bob passed away this week, and uh, we grieve his loss. And this Tuesday evening from 6 to 7.30, there will be visitation at Cecil Burton's funeral home. Again, Tuesday from 6 to 7.30. And then Wednesday morning at 11 a.m., there will be a celebration of life service here for Dr. Bob Blackburn. And so uh, be in prayer for Rose and for the girls right now as they grieve and as they travel. And as you know how things go during these times, um, they need our prayers and our continued support. They have felt those. And I think they would be okay with me saying thank you on their behalf this morning for your prayers and support this week. But they've had quite a, quite a journey this week. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, the largest uh, book authored by a prophet in uh, the Old Testament. There begins our, we have Isaiah, then Jeremiah, then we move into Ezekiel, we move into some of the minor prophets, but Isaiah begins that section of our scripture, and we're going to be camped out here for a while, and you know, last Lent season, we were in Luke for, for many, many weeks, and for a few weeks here in December, we will be in the book of Isaiah. Also, on December 15th, our choir will be singing songs, and there will be references to Isaiah there on that Sunday morning as well. But in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, I'll read those in just a moment. But this morning, we're beginning a new series called Sacred Locales. It's a journey to Bethlehem through landmarks in the book of Isaiah. And so we're going to travel some different places there. And uh, this morning, we have an invitation to God's holy mountain. Isaiah 2, 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that, he may, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Will you go with me in prayer? God, as we enter this Christmas season, we ask for your richest blessing, not only on our time together this morning, but throughout this month of special services. God, we ask that you stir our hearts and that we may not simply be awed by beautiful and well-decorated places of worship, but move in us spiritually, God. Move in us that we may experience you in new and fresh ways. Move us from apathy and indifference to a place of wholehearted devotion and service. Forgive us, God, when we place self and long-held traditions as more important than you. From a heart that overflows with your love, grant us compassion for all. Grant us a willingness to follow you wherever the path may lead. 
and grant us courage for the journey and remind us that we do not walk alone. May your kingdom come in us, a kingdom where weapons of war are no longer needed because tensions and conflicts among peoples and nations are resolved with you as Christ as the arbitrator. God, lead us to your holy mountain and may our words and our lives lead others there as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we begin a new series this month um, called Sacred Locales, A Journey to Bethlehem with Landmarks Through Isaiah, I want to invite you and ask you this morning, uh, are there certain locales, sacred locales in your faith journey? A locale is a place where something happens or maybe particular events associated with it. It's not just a location, but it's a location with meaning. For our country, this could be um, Philadelphia Hall in, uh, excuse me, Independence Hall in Philadelphia. It's an important part for our nation, there where we declared our independence from Great Britain, July the 4th in 1776. A turning point, if you will, for our country. Another significant locale for our country could be the Gettysburg Battlefield, where a turning point happened there in the Civil War. But as we think about our faith journey, do you have any sacred locales in your journey? A place that maybe rises to the top, that sticks out as you think back through your childhood and through your youth years, college, young adult, even recent. Is there a place, a, a location, a physical place that would have great significance for you? For some of us, it may go back to a youth camp. There was a camp in Rockingham County, Reedsville, North Carolina called Betsy Jeff 4-H uh, Betsy Jeff Penn 4-H camp, and we, we weren't there as part of a 4-H group, but uh, our church, along with three or four others growing up that my youth minister was friends with, rented it out, and we had camp there that week. One of those years, Andy Oliver, the pa pastor over at Poplar Springs, was our camp pastor. But that was a year that sticks out in my memory as being uh, a significant year spiritually in my life. Andy Oliver always likes to say he knew me back a long time ago, back when I was only 6'4", is what, is what he likes to say. But also remember uh, a couple places at Gardner-Webb. I won't go into the details there, but there's a couple places on campus that stick out in my mind. Uh, one place it was a service and another place it was just a conversation with a friend uh, that stick out in my mind as being, uh, I say, a turning point or a location of great significance in my life. The place that rises to the top is uh, we featured on the, on the screen here, but just a short walk, a short distance from my home growing up, we lived up above what was called Lakemont Cottages. And the setting that you see there, and, and first of all, I have to say this, I pulled this off their website, but there's never been a fire in that pit. There's a fire in that pit. That pit, is a, it's, a, it's a spring, there's water there, and so I think that was a Photoshop. Um, but, but growing up, I would walk, especially on Sunday afternoons, it was just a short walk down from where I lived, and absolutely beautiful. I, I'm realizing that as I get older now, what I, how I was, I was blessed to, to be raised uh, in, in uh, Flat Rock or in Western North Carolina. But I would walk down there Sunday afternoons, a lot of times to go fishing, uh, the boys, uh, Aiden and, and Ben and, and Renee were all down there yesterday as I visited with my dad and we walked down there and got to experience that once more. And I remember you see the swing there and I have to back up and say this, uh, this location is very special. Uh, the night that I proposed to Renee, it was not in front of that swing, but it was in front of a swing there uh, at, the, at the lake. But it has great significance, not only spiritually, but for our marriage as well. But I would go there often through high school and through college and even beyond 
And still today, son, when I'm at my dad's house and I'll walk down there and spend some time in prayer, whether on the swing or walking around the lake, but that is a sacred locale for me and a place, again, that rises to the top for me. In today's passage, we have a mountain as a significant location. Some of you may have been on retreats and the idea of the mountaintop experience, it doesn't have to happen on the mountain, but sometimes it often does. And it maybe has for some of you at Ridgecrest before. But it's not just a mountain, but it's a holy mountain that we learn about in Isaiah 2. A mountain representing a future vision, a future prophecy, if you will, where all the nations will come to Zion or come to Jerusalem to learn the ways of God and to walk in his paths. Wouldn't that be great if we could just go to a place and learn all the ways of God and learn to walk in his paths? The temple of the Lord here, or the house of the Lord, stands at the center of the vision. The scripture tells us in verse two that it's a mountain raised up above all other mountains. Not necessarily literally, but in meaning and significance. The stated purpose of all nations streaming to this location is found in verse three of our text this morning. To learn the ways of God and walk in his, in his paths. Here it would not be an absence of tension, an absence of conflict, but rather a world in which men would resolve their conflicts without resorting to arms. Can you imagine? We've never lived in that kind of world and we're not there today, but can you imagine a world where tensions and conflicts are deep, but yet men did not result to the sword or to the gun or to large weapons? Today's passage is a future vision. One where the invitation is in the mail, so to speak. The word is out. The construction has begun. The vision of Isaiah is one of those already but not quite yet theological scenarios. In Isaiah's vision in verse 4, he writes that on this mountain, he, meaning Christ, will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. I'm reminded, I don't know what the song, but there's an old bluegrass song, I think that some of you, Jason and others, may know of that, that refer to this passage. This vision found in Isaiah 2-4 has been appropriately inscribed on a wall in New York City, and I think we have an image of this, called the Isaiah Wall, across from the United Nations uh, building in New York City, I believe on First Avenue, is called the United Nations Plaza. And on that plaza, there's an apartment building right behind this wall, that uh, high rise. But these words of Isaiah 2, 4, about turning our swords into plowshares and our uh, spears into pruning hooks, nations will not lift up sword against nation and never will they learn war, is etched in stone across, how appropriate, from the United Nations building. This wall was built and dedicated in 1948 during construction of the UN headquarters. In this plaza, you will also find a bronze statue of Isaiah that embodies this text this morning. Isaiah is there with a hammer in his hand and a sword and bending it and uh, forming it into a plowshare. This statue is meant to symbolize the message of this verse, never again will man learn war. Can we imagine such a time, such a place? One message is abundantly clear in this passage. We are not yet on God's holy mountain. I don't think I need to, to tell us that, but I think it's good to state it and remind us that we are not yet on God's holy mountain. We long for a world where there is no war, but did you catch something that's in our passage this morning? There's an invitation 
if you will, extended in today's passage. It's extended two, at least two times, possibly more. We are asked twice to come to the mountain. The people of God in Isaiah 2 have received an invitation, and the invitation is extended to us today as well. An invitation to a hopeful place, an invitation to a peaceful place, an invitation to a place that Jesus referred to in the New Testament a lot with the word kingdom. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is this, the kingdom of God. And so here we get a vision that Isaiah has of this holy mountain, this sacred mountain, but it's a kingdom that Jesus taught us more about in the New Testament. In the minor prophet, in the book of Micah, chapter four, verses one through three, if you were to look that up this morning, you will find almost the exact same words that we have read from Isaiah chapter two. And for those theological buffs or people in the church that may be asking the question now, which came first, Micah or Isaiah? Many believe that there was another author and Isaiah and Micah both used this passage in their, in their writings. But there's one additional verse that Micah includes that Isaiah does not. And that verse says this in Micah chapter four, verse four, a verse that is worthy of our time this morning. It says, each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Now, if you imagine a place where there's no war, a place that is peaceful, a place that is hopeful, he says, each man will sit under his vine and under his fig tree, symbols of peace and symbols of prosperity, with no one to make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. War will become a thing of the past. If all the world was dedicated deeply to Christ and to following his ways, there would be no war. Regardless of what others do, let us be faithful to live out the instructions given to the house of Jacob. In verse five, the last verse of our text this morning, it says, let us walk in the light of the Lord. How often do we hear about light during this season? This evening, we will light a candle and go out to light the lights on our large Christmas tree. Christmas Eve, we may light a candle once more. There will be lights on our homes. There will be lights on our trees. And hopefully there will be lights on our faces and lights in our words and in our actions. But in the last verse of this place that, is, that ceases from war, that puts aside the weapons and turns them into something more useful and more practical for the upbuilding of humankind, but in the last verse of our text this morning, we read the verse, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us remember a place where true Christianity flourishes. Humankind delights in going up to the house of the Lord, and we will encourage others to come along with us to this kingdom, to this place, a place where we have not yet known in the world that you and I live in, but a place that Jesus and then Isaiah cast this vision for us. So now we wait. We await our invitation to celebrate with the house of the, where the house of the Lord is established. Challenge is to walk now in the light of the Lord while we wait. Jesus came to usher in this special kingdom. And as I said earlier, we are not yet on this holy mountain. To use the term, we are in this spiritual diaspora or spiritual exile, if you will. Some of us are stuck in deep valleys of sorrow or grief. Others may be on a winding trail filled with anxiety. Others may be dealing with not enough. Others wrestling with, if things continue this way in my life, 
or in the lives of my family, how will things look down the road? Some may be filled with the stress of wanting to see more vibrant ministry through their own lives and life of their church and the Christian church today throughout the United States. Our lives are filled with certain tensions, certain conflicts, certain unresolved issues. Will we look to the light and walk in the light as we seek those answers? But I propose to you that no matter where we are on the journey to the house of the Lord, we have been extended the invitation again to walk in the light of the Lord. Many of you know that a few weeks back, I took some time away and went to the mountains, and some of you may not know that, but if you don't, I'm sharing it with you, but I just needed some time to regroup, to kind of renew, and as we began to move into the Advent season, it's important for a pastor or for uh, many leaders to do that from time to time, to just step away from the hustle and bustle, the rigor of everyday life, and to read, to, to reflect, to pray more, to hike. I went hiking, I stayed near the Blue Ridge Parkway, I hiked over two miles each day for about four days. And one day I hiked um, over five miles uh, that one day, I hiked to Flat Top Manor on the top of uh, a mountain on the Moses Cone Plantation right off of the Blue Ridge Parkway. And as I walked those paths, they were winding. As we know, many mountain roads, as I, I know from Western North Carolina, uh, there are some places, it seems like in Western North Carolina, that you simply just can't get to from anywhere. Um, they're just, it's terrible to get there. But to do that, you have to go down winding paths. I think of the trip to Highlands, North Carolina. It's filled with winding paths. But on that particular day that I hiked to the top of Flat Top Mountain, I hiked some winding paths to get to the top. And once I was at the top, there was a tower, probably three or four stories, and I think we have a picture of that. And so I'd hiked two and a half miles winding trails to get to the top of a mountain. I was kind of tired, not used to doing that every day here in Boiling Springs. And when I got to the top, I'm thinking, I, I knew the tower would be there. And, and I looked at that tower and I'm thinking, great, I'm tired. I just walked two and a half miles. And now I got to walk up four flights of stairs to get to the top of this tower. But I did. And when I did get to the top, uh, we'll show, show you the next picture. I had a panoramic view. If you can imagine this, just standing there looking 360 and walking around and, and seeing what I've seen. Um, I had to walk some winding trails to get there. Some of you may feel like you're on a steep, winding, uphill trail this morning. You're waiting and longing for that lookout, and it's still a great distance away, or you may not even be able to see it off in the distance. If this is you today, if this is you this morning, I urge you, I plead with you to hear the message of Isaiah this morning, to come to God's holy mountain, to respond to the invitation to walk the winding trails and to live and to walk and to live in the light of the Lord. This Sunday is a significant day in many ways um, for our church, for our faith, and for this season. We celebrate Advent. We begin to talk about the coming of the Christ child. So in light of what we've heard this morning from Isaiah, about this future and this coming kingdom that Jesus inaugurated, that he began long ago. How are you and I contributing to that place of peace and that place of hope in the world that God has placed us in? Are we contributing to that place of peace and hope in our homes, with our families? Are we contributing to that place and that world of peace and hope 
as we relate with others at school, as we relate with others in our workplace? Are we responding to the invitation to come to God's holy mountain and to walk in the light of the Lord? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you that long ago you sent Jesus to begin to inaugurate what this future kingdom would look like, a place where there is no war, a place where man would not learn war anymore, a place that is not absent of conflict and tension, but a place where simply war is absent. Father, it's foreign for us to, to think too long about something like that, but yet, Lord, it's a, it's a kingdom that you desire, a kingdom that you desire for your people and a vision that you desire for your world. Help us as your people to be people who pursue peace, to offer the world a good news, the message of hope in Jesus Christ, a message of forgiveness, a message of grace. Lord, I pray for each one here today as they walk their winding trails through life. Lord, I know that a lot of different things exist in this room at this hour. Those that are looking for direction, those that are faced with not enough, those that are faced with concerns and tensions and conflicts, maybe at family, maybe at work. Lord, I pray that they would look to you and they would have the courage to go up on the mountain. They would have courage to walk in the light of the Lord. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that's never put their faith and trust in you for salvation, I pray that today would be the day. No greater way to begin this season of Christmas than to put their faith and their trust in you. Forgive us, forgive us, forgive others, others, forgive us in the room, Lord, that have just um, been indifferent or been um, maybe um, apathetic in our walk, in our relationship with you. Lord, may this day and may this beginning of this season be a day that we can renew our walk with you and walk in the light of the Lord. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here to, today and would desire to, to, to talk with me or to make a, a, a decision, the altar is open. If you're here and desire membership at Bowling Springs Baptist Church, I invite you to come. Let's stand and sing together.
me take just a brief moment to remind you of a couple things, one or two Alan may have mentioned earlier, but this afternoon is the Boiling Springs Christmas Parade. Uh, weather tells us that things should be great as you go outside the door right now, I'm not sure, uh, but, but, but we've been promised that things will be clearing off this afternoon. If you would like to ride in the uh, new church minibus, we will meet here in the parking lot at two o'clock. I'll say on this side over here where it normally rests and we will leave to go find our spot in the parade. Or you can meet us at spot number 31 down, just go right. You may have to kind of go around and come back up to where we might be, but at 2.30. And so we need some people to ride in the bus, but then we also need some people to walk beside the bus and to hand out candy. And so if you'd be interested in either of those, you need to be one of the first 14 people to come if you want to ride. Uh, I will be driving, but there's room for 14 others. So please come and join us for that. It'll be a wonderful time for our community. And then this evening, very special time. We'll be back in plenty of time to even change clothes or do what you need to do. But uh, six o'clock is hanging of the green service. There will be a, just a wonderful opportunity for those who have lost loved ones to bring down a, a poinsettia in, in their memory and just a very touching and always a special uh, service. If you are new to Boiling Springs or um, just a new member, this will be a special service. I urge you and strongly encourage you to come and attend the service this evening. But the lights uh, that are, there are things in here that have lights on them that will come to life this evening. And then of course, we'll walk outside and light our large Christmas tree as well. Let me also remind you just quickly that Tuesday, there's a special play if you have young children or grandchildren, 1045 in the LEC uh, drama company will be here and, and having a special play called the Christmas Gift. Is that what it's called? Uh, Ellen's not in here. Um, and then at one o'clock, we'll have a lunch for those that have signed up. But then at one o'clock, that same group will be presenting the drama for the adults in the LEC. So I encourage you to be here. And then please remember a funeral for Bob Blackburn uh, this Wednesday at 11. And due to that, we will not have Bible study at 11 this coming Wednesday. So let us now uh, close and uh, be sure to speak to someone that you haven't spoken to before you leave today. God, we thank you for your presence that is with us on the winding roads. Help us to journey with you to the sacred mountain and walk in the light of the Lord. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.